What's going on, brother? Hey, not much. How are you? All good, man. <laughs> Started a new job, so I'm fucking on this commute into the city every day, so it takes a little bit of, of the gas out, but we're going. We're how moving. Are you, how are you liking it? How are you liking the new gig? Yeah, it's great. I mean, same company, just like kind of moved up a little bit to the commercial office because we have one here in this little city I live in, Lubeck, and then there's uh, the big office in Hamburg. So I uh, just started there last week, so I started taking the train and stuff like that, so I found an apartment out there. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say your setup looks a, looks a bit different and all that. Yeah, <laughs> got to dress up a little more, work a little harder, but... <laughs> But all good. Yeah, got the nice, you got the nice hair going. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, brother. Uh, did you watch the yeah. fights last weekend? I did. I mean, overall, I thought you know it was solid, but I think definitely like the biggest like highlight for it was um, was the Mike Rodriguez fight. The blunder, yeah. Yeah, this... that was, yeah, that, yeah. There was like so much fuckery there. Yeah. We're like, firstly, I want to give props to Mike. Because that was the best I've ever seen him look. He looked so sharp. I'm so impressed with his performance. And um, and again, too, such a like world class good good dude. So I'm just I was so happy to see him perform so well. It kind of sucks when you like knock a guy out twice and then lose by submission. <laughs> yeah, and uh, even the submission was a little dirty. Like uh, he had his feet on the fence and. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and it's like. And, I, you know, and frankly, I'm just glad Mike's shoulder's okay because that looked, you know, incredibly deep. And great, even Michael Bisping, who granted was nut riding fucking uh, Ed Herman pretty hard that whole time. Yeah. Uh, but, even he, but even he was saying that, you know, Mike could have probably tapped a bit earlier. But, I mean, like, dude, what a fucking, you know, screw job that they handed him. That was ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm like, I was pumped to hear, though, that the UFC brass, for all intents and purposes, is treating it as a win. So Mike still got his win money. He's, you know, and they're they're counting it, like, as far as, like, the rankings and future fights go, as if he won, which they should. Yeah, I it's mean, a W. Exactly. I mean, I guess it kind of dives into the topic about, like, instant replay in fights, which I know that, like uh, – like hardcore fight fans will always say that they kind of like the the flow of just like the the natural course of events in a fight, but uh, nowadays when there's you know uh, your job on the line, money on the line, contenderships on the line, uh, rankings, you know, and it's uh, obviously much harder to fight in the UFC nowadays. Every win matters, right? So if you're gonna go in there and you're gonna put these guys' careers at risk, I mean, granted. Uh, Dana's actually, uh, in my opinion, uh, a very honest, non-biased guy most of the time. And uh, yeah, and and like you just said, uh, it's it's nice that he he realizes that it was, for lack of a better term, a robbery in essence, right? Like, like you said, you you drop a guy twice to the point where they can't keep fighting. The fight's over. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Well, and then, and then even, too, in the second round, and I don't know if this is how it's supposed to be, but Mike dropped Herman again and then backed away to kind of let him up. And then the referee stood between them. Yeah. Which, I don't, which is that, like, normal protocol? Because, honestly, like, it should be fair game that Mike could at least still punch him as he's getting up. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. It's I think like, you're 100% right. 
and so I mean, it, and, and so I mean, I haven't seen that situation enough and took taken notice of it enough. And obviously, like Mike's my friend, so I was emotionally invested in the fight. Hundred percent. But like, but yeah, I mean, I remember texting my coach during it, being like, "Wow, the refs are just really trying to screw screw over Mike here." But like, it's um, it's one of those things though where I don't think it's unreasonable, you know, for even the purest of fans to really like. You know, I can't picture them disagreeing with this. If any, in any instance, the referee stops the fight, if you look at replay, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that, fair you, enough. You know, you know, and then, like, say, I mean, no, granted, it still wouldn't be the same. But say he stopped it because he thinks the groin strike happened. He's a clearly didn't think the least in that same position. And, you know what I mean? And then, you know, Ed doesn't get the full five minutes. Yeah, because you know, he was hurt. It just wasn't from a groin strike. Yeah, and that's bullshit. You know, was- if you watch the replay a hundred times, dude. Like, I don't know what angle the referee's standing at. I don't know what he's looking at. I mean, I think we've had problems with some of these referees nowadays, where they kind of like uh, they get a little unfocused in the fights, and they start kind of gandering off. And there's a lot of lackadaisical refs here nowadays, but. Uh, I don't give a fuck what anyone says to you. That knee was high, bro, and that knee was fucking straight up sternum. And it's hard for you to argue it's a groin strike when you look at the replay and you see that, like, you you see that full kind of, like, hip extension, like, almost into your like his armpit when he's throwing that knee. And, and, and when I watched that replay, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me, dude. And the way he milked it, like grabbing his groin, and then in the post-fight interview, he goes, yeah, I was in a lot of pain, so I didn't know if it was a body strike or a groin strike. Like, come on, man, you've been fighting for the better course of 15 years. Like, I mean, granted, he's, you got to win at all costs, but that's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it's like, I like emotionally would like to fault Herbert, but you really can't. I mean, it's like, yeah. you, know, it, you know, it's the referee's job, Herbert was taking you know took advantage of it and so it's whatever you know it's a veteran doing veteran moves but like yeah it was just it was, it was just crappy i mean like the knee landed at least a foot away from ben herbert's groin probably even more and um and so but i am happy that they ended up you know sort of like rectifying as much as they can i do I, I am wondering if they're going to put in a formal appeal to actually get the loss overturned, which they should. Cause like, cause what will happen is even though the UFC is, you know, for all intents and purposes, treating it as a win, I feel like in a couple of years, it'll be easy to forget that. Yeah. And if Mike's record isn't great, then that may go against them. For sure. And so, um, and so it would be good to at least get declared a no contest. Yeah. You know, I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, so you're not giving him a W, at least making a no contest. But that said, I've had, I don't know how the Vegas commission is, but I know I've, you know, had challenges like this for, um, at the Massachusetts commission, and they just generally don't, um, you know, they, it, it doesn't, they, yeah, it doesn't go your way. Like, actually, so I remember with uh, Peter Barrett, you know, my student Dan Lopez fought him, and the referee, like jumped in between them as Dan was landing a really good combo on Pete. Pete was shelling against the fence in the second round. Referee jumped between them, waving his hands. And so understandably, Dan was like, cool, I won by TKO, kind of backed away, thought the fight was over. And then the referee was like, oh, just kidding. And then Pete ended up like coming back and winning. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't fault Pete. That's the ref. And, uh, and I never, you know, never did fault Pete. And, uh, but 
we went to the commission with that to be like, dude, this has to at least be a no contest. You know, they watched the video. They're like, yeah, it sucks, but like, what can you do? And I was like, well, I can think of numerous things you can do. Yeah, <laughs> like, I it to a no contest. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, I mean, they. Um, I was gonna say they just said like, just one final point about it. They um, so the the reasoning they gave is they didn't want to set a precedent of overturning every call, which I get because it might start as being a serious one like this, you know, where it's flagrant. But then if they make, you know, once that precedent's set, then you'll gradually just get more ridiculous ones. So there just needs to be more standardized criteria with, you know, with this stuff. And I do think allowing for replay will make that a lot easier. It will eliminate the need for frivolous, like interactions with the commission and stuff like that. Do you remember the legal replay in the Musasi Weidman fight where they actually legally used video replay when uh they thought it was an illegal knee yep i do and you can see that uh it fucking works dude and weidman wasn't willing to keep fighting and musasi lifted him up off the ground with that front headlock and landed that knee dude and and weidman milked it and he fucking lost and that's the way that it should be right like the same way herman's oh. doing it one one 100 i mean and it's like every other sport has replay mma that needs to too yeah, even fucking soccer has replay now, dude. Like, let, let's talk about it. Are you serious, dude? Like, even soccer has fucking replay now. Like, uh, VAR, this shit. You see the refs doing little boxes with their hands. They review everything. They review everything. They review goals. They review fouls. They review fucking everything with VAR, dude. Yeah. And that's the way I that mean, it kind of should be. I mean, what's fair is fair, right? Oh, exactly. Well, because the reality is, like, it is fucking hard being a ref. I would hate having that job. Yeah. I have a tremendous amount of respect for everybody who's willing to sub- subject themselves to such a thankless and difficult and horrible job as to be a ref. Because everybody hates you. You got no friends in the crowd because everything, you, every decision you make is going to piss off half of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and it's just like, and you know, and you know, and it, it happens, but replay kind of like, We'll just make it a bit better. Sure. Know? And granted, the UFC also does a pretty good job of, like, swapping their refs out. Yeah. The Dana will call you the fuck out. He yeah, you're done. Care. Yamasaki, yeah, I mean, out. Like, Mazagati, never ref a fight not. again, dude. Yeah. Oh, it was funny. Like, they have. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know if you saw the post-fight press conference, but, yeah, you called this a Mazzagatti-level screw-up, which I think, in, in data-speak, is the worst insult you can give. Worst insult that. ever, dude. <laughs> ever. Because yeah. you know how much he hates that guy. I think you could probably go on YouTube and find YouTube compilations of literally Dana just talking about how much he hates Steve Mazzagatti. <laughs> which, which is funny because I, I, I must have missed it, but I can't was, – was there, like, a specific instance that turned Dana against him was like there one screw up that Mazzagatti have, or did he was it just like a bunch of little things? He's had some massive fuck ups, I think. I think there's like, uh, I mean, I can't recall a fight in particular, but like super early stoppages or like positions where guys are like in half guard and guys have like really loose guillotine chokes, and obviously the guy's jockeying for position, and Mazzagatti thinks he's asleep and fucking calls the fight and. I think there's there's oh, been a yeah. there's been a couple of blunders like that where he's really just like screwed people out of fucking W's and I think Dana was just sick of it and was like I don't give a fuck what yeah, you I think. I think you're right. Cause, yeah, because I, I you know it's been a minute since he's been allowed to ref anything, but I I, I do remember his name being a, you know one that's being constantly circling around controversy 
Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, Yamasaki, I remember, had, like, one bad sort of, like, really bad call where you let a girl almost die. Yeah, the Priscilla Cachoeira <laughs> fight versus Valentina Chevchenko, right? Yeah. And he was like, oh, well, I wanted to let her be a warrior. It's like, that's not your fucking job. I don't think he's <laughs> ref. I honestly don't know if he's ref to fight since then. Well, well, I mean, when you think about it, it's like that just it fundamentally went against his job. It's like you were a government representative who was there to simply keep the fighters safe. Yeah. You know, it is not your job to decide if they should go out as a warrior or not. Sure. I actually miss Big John a lot, man. And uh, granted, he's using his platform to to make a lot more money than, than refing. But uh, as much as a lot of people talk about Herb Dean, like Big John McCarthy pioneered refereeing, dude. And this guy uh, essentially just doesn't get it wrong. I like Mark Goddard a lot, too. I think that he's a very underrated referee. I agree. And I, I – um... In, yeah, now, I, I'm with you. I do really like Big John. That's actually why I um I really like listening to his podcast too. Yeah, especially if there is like a controversial call or something, because it's good getting somebody with his experience's take on the whole thing. You know, because he's the only like podcast host I know of that really has like that much intimate knowledge of how fights are actually officiated. Sure, the latest one I think was that Herb Dean fight where uh, Francisco Trinaldo was losing the first two rounds. Then he ended up knocking the dude out and Dan Hardy stood up. And, uh, and I think his take wasn't so much on the, I mean, obviously he did have a take on the refereeing and he kind of agreed that, okay, it it seemed a bit late, like a little bit of a lack of focus, but yeah, he's a, he's a smart guy. I mean, he tells it how it is. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Are you excited for the fight this weekend? Yeah, for sure, dude. Uh, but last week's fights, uh, Bobby Green, fucking most most wins in 2020, looked real slick. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, you know, Bobby Green is a good example of, like, the good opportunity that fighters are having right now. Yeah. Where you can just get a ton of opportunities to compete that is largely unprecedented. Because, I mean, there are, obviously, with the worldwide pandemic, you know, which has done nobody any favors. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, you know, the UFC still wants to put on shows and it's and a bunch of guys either won't fight or can't for whatever reason. Yeah. And so the guys who are willing are getting a bunch of opportunities. And so that's why it's great too with guys getting signed, guys being able to fight a lot. I mean, this could be, you know, an opportunity for guys to really close the, you know, close the gap in the rankings with a lot of people. And so it's good to see guys like Bobby Green kind of, um, you know, really sort of take advantage of that opportunity. 100%. Uh, how do you feel about the uh, this guy, Ottoman Azaitar? The uh, co-main event? Yeah. Oh, yep, yep, yep. I thought the co-main event was good. I, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, he's I, steamrolled kind of worthy who's fucking tough as shit, dude. And I, and I, I don't know I, if you I, remember – Watching that fight Absolutely. on uh, in Abu Dhabi, the I think it was the Poirier Khabib card, like the mm-hmm. amount of power this guy has, that fucking lightweight dude. That uh, I see him being a real problem if he can uh, kind of deal with the wrestling aspect of it. I mean, we can see he's got a lot of power, fucking big punches. Absolutely, I mean, because Kamalworthy isn't an easy night out for anybody. No, you know he's you know super game. He's been doing doing very well for himself. And so I mean, I so I thought that was that was a very impressive performance. 
hundred percent. The main event, uh, yeah, pretty I, solid. I, I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say, I did miss that fight um, on the Khabib Poirier night, though. So, because I um, because I remember I had to corner that night for for local fights. So I was, oh, nice. I was otherwise busy, but uh, so I remember only watching the Poirier Khabib fight that that night. So, try to but watch I, that fight it, back, dude. Like, uh, look oh, this yeah, guy up, Amon Zaitar, and just watch uh, that knockout, dude. Really impressive. Uh, did you get a chance to watch the the main event? I did. That was an awesome fight. It was better than I thought it was gonna be. Hundred percent. I, I, I mean, had, the the girls showed out, dude. They fucking went in there, and that was did. a sick fight. I had very low expectations, <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, I remember like going in just really kind of wanting to see Mike's fight, and. Uh, and it was admittedly kind of fuming after Mike's fight. Fair <laughs> and, uh, but, but like, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I was really impressed by that one. I mean, you know, they both just, you know, like you said, they came out, they put on a show. It was great to see. Yeah. A hundred percent. we got some uh, really good fights coming up this weekend. Uh, I, I think for our hardcore fans, the, the main card's pretty stacked. Even the undercard's pretty stacked. You got Andre Ull on the, you will on the undercard. I know he's a guy that's had some uh, fights against some local competition on uh, your side. Uh, mm-hmm. Jessica Rose Clark, also very talented. We got Jordan Espinoza. Uh, but the main card looks good, dude. Kevin Holland versus Darren Stewart. So kind of like some up and coming middleweights. Yep. Uh, we got Mackenzie Dern versus Randa Marcos. Uh, I think, obviously, for real hardcore martial arts people that watch not just MMA, but jujitsu as well. I mean, Mackenzie Dern's a multiple time IBJJF world champion. Uh, her dad also is a IBJJF world champion, Megaton Diaz. Uh, she's fucking slick on the ground, dude. And I think Randa Marcos definitely has her hands absolutely full for this fight. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, Dern's just such a good, you know, just such a talented competitor yeah. and she's, you know, she's somebody who may even come in heavy, which, which has helped her out in the past. Yeah. And, and we may get to see her ever evolving Brazilian accent that she has for whatever reason. Fucking don't even get me started, dude. Don't even get me started with that, dude. <laughs> but yeah, she never had it for whatever reason. Now she like tries to pretend to be Brazilian. If, if anyone <laughs> has the time to go on YouTube and look, literally just you like search, the evolution of Mackenzie Dern's accent, dude. It is fucking mind-blowing. I'm Brazilian. I'm fucking Brazilian, yeah. dude. And she's born in Arizona. I was born yeah. on Cape Cod, bro. And I'm telling you, I think her and I are maybe about the same age. I don't have a fucking accent, dude. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> and I've never had this evolution of a Brazilian accent. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, it's like, I don't know if they think it'll make her more marketable or something, but it is just bizarre, and nobody's buying it. Yeah, it is what it is. I think uh, overall, quick prediction, it's going to be first-round submission. I think she's going to catch her pretty early. I, I don't think – I think she could pull guard at this point and win this fight. Randa Marcos, in my opinion, doesn't really pose much of a threat in Mackenzie Dern's way. I think it was just kind of like a pick-me-up fight. I agree. I, I think Rand is just a body for for Mackenzie. She's kind of always been a body in the UFC. I mean, she's had some solid wins. Like, she beat Carla Esparza, ex-champion. She has actually beat Angela Hill, uh, who just fought in the main event, who's slick as fuck. But I don't see 
any way she poses a threat to Mackenzie Dern. But the next fight, I'm super excited about. We have Ryan Spann from the Contender Series. He's on a four-fight win streak, knocking dudes out left and right against Johnny Walker, dude. And uh, Johnny Walker has been training at SBG Ireland over oh, there well, with John, John Kavanaugh. And Misha Serkinov has also been out there as a training partner for him. And uh, well, I was wondering who he would train with out there because they seem to largely be kind of a little guy gem. Yeah, uh, he's a really interesting where, like, uh, I think he's had a lot of coach problems in his career where he's obviously a massive talent, and I think he's felt a little bit kind of taken advantage of by management coaches. So Johnny Walker's Brazilian, but he moved to Scotland, like, a long time ago, and that's why he speaks really good English, but he was training over in Scotland for a while, and uh, mostly his training camps have been within Europe. Uh, and I think that it's actually a perfect opportunity for him to just uh, – because those guys over at SVG, they're real technicians, right? All those coaches are real technicians, and I don't think they sometimes get enough credit. I think everyone looks at Connor and sees how, how much of a talent he is, but uh, I think that uh, really, 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 they have some of the most underrated coaching in MMA. Oh, I agree. I mean, John Kavanaugh is a really smart guy. It's, um, you know, I mean, there's definitely, he, you know, he, he he's definitely, in my opinion, made some questionable calls. Like, um, like I thought the defense, the, like the game plan against Khabib was very poorly thought out. But to his credit, that makes me really respect him was that he admitted it. <laughs> Fair know? enough. I mean, also, Connor wasn't really training for that fight and he was drinking in between fight no. camp. And uh, I yeah. mean, he, 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 I think the cut to 155 is, is easy for his body and stuff like that because he's always in shape. I guess I, I mean, like, physique-wise, I don't think he really walks around too heavy to make 155. So the cut was easy for Connor. But as far as, like, the whole mental game is concerned, and that's another thing that Johnny Walker openly admitted was that uh, um, obviously now during corona, there's not much for him to do in a worldwide pandemic. So he's not really partying as much as he used to. And, and being the, I mean, you can tell just from the cage and his post fight interviews and his celebrations that uh, he's a big personality and you could probably see how it probably gets the better of him when it comes to the training and stuff like that. And I think being at SPG right now, like a smaller camp, quiet time, I think we're going to see a, a really good, Johnny Walker in this fight, but we also can't sleep on Ryan Spann, who's got a ton of power in his hands. Absolutely. I you know, I mean, granted, the most memorable thing for me about Johnny Walker will, unfortunately for him, always be him enjoying himself during his post-fight celebration. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, but yeah, I mean, dude, he's, he is a huge talent in the division, and I think, especially with Jones being gone, he could, you know, both of them could be a real force in the division now. 100%. Uh, I mean, his only two losses is to Corey Anderson. No shame in losing to Corey Anderson, right? The guy's been a uh, top 10 contender for, what, like a couple years now. Uh, really talented fighter. And Nikita Krylov, who also, I think, for the for the people that don't really, like the mainstream MMA watchers, you can say, like wouldn't know a guy like Nikita Krylov, but he had a massive stint in the UFC. I think he was riding something like a, like a four- or five-fight win streak at light heavyweight before he – I think he had some problems where he needed to go home, so he started fighting on the, that Russian circuit. But uh, also another talented guy. So no shame in losing to people like that. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, uh, and honestly, 
like every guy who comes out of the like the Russian MMA scene is just a monster. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it sounds seems like a nightmare. Yeah, and speaking of uh, the Russian MMA scene, uh, the fight after that is Kamzat Chemaev versus Gerald Mearshart. Mir- G- Gerald's really good grappler. Uh, obviously, he's going to try and take this fight down to the ground, but uh, Kamzat, I mean, he's making a lot of noise in the UFC. Dana really likes him. He's actually double-booked him. So regardless yep. winning or losing this fight, uh, he's going to fight Damian Maya, Fight Island, I believe. And that dude's yep. fucking sick, dude. I mean, from the stats from his first two fights, I think it's like four strikes landed on him to 120 output, dude, which is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, his opponent was definitely not happy, though, when he found out that Kamzat was double booked. Yeah. You know, and he kind of, like, called Dana out for it, you know, because he's like, you know, so... Because, I mean, I, I can see where he's coming from. It does sort of seem like the UFC is really looking past them, assuming that Kamzat will still be available so soon after. But, that you know, Dana even said he was like, listen, that's just two years. He wanted to fight. We gave him a fight. Fair enough. You know, yeah, if we, yeah, if we have to change it, we'll, we'll change it. But Guy wants to fight every day. Honestly, I, if he was the first fight on the card and fucking someone slipped out of a middleweight fight, dude, I think he's actually a welterweight, but he's moving up to middleweight for this fight. Mm, uh, I think you're right. Yeah, but um, this guy would fucking fight five times in a night if he could, dude, which, I mean, I respect that, bro. I mean, in this game, you got you kind of got to be a little tapped in the head to be good, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, frankly... It kind of has to be a little tap in the head to think it's a good idea to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's, you know, because at the end of the day, you're getting into your underwear, locking yourself in a cage with somebody whose only reason for being there is to hurt you. Yeah. You know, it's not the sport for the normals. <laughs> 100%, dude. 100%. Uh, in my opinion, I think it's an interesting fight. I think Gerald's like really, really, really slick on the ground. Um, I don't know too much about his striking ability. I think he's really one of those guys that, like, he's very, like, a Damian Maya type, like, slick enough on the feet to avoid punches, to keep you at a distance, to gauge the distance, and his main objective is to just take you down, outposition you, outgrapple you, tap you out. Uh, I've seen tape of Chemaev outside of the UFC. He does have a couple knockouts uh, on the feet, so I think in the side of caution here, I'm just going to pick Shemaev just because I think he's a fucking psychopath and he's going to go in there and and put on a clinic. I, I agree. That's that's sort of where the wind would be blowing with me too. Fair enough, right? Yeah, absolutely. Co-main event's pretty uh, pretty great. We got Donald Cerrone fighting in his like 300,000th time in the octagon against, uh, <laughs> against Nico Price, who's also just – one of the most innovative fighters at welterweight, if not in the UFC period. So uh, Donald Cerrone obviously puts on super exciting fights every time he steps in the cage, win or lose, right? So I think that's going to be yeah. absolute. Either it's going to be like a three-round gritty war, but I don't see this fight going three rounds, bro. Unfortunately, I don't either. And I say that because, like, I really want Cowboy to win. I do but he's had some serious durability issues. And I, I just don't know. I mean, and Nico Price is, you know, just so tough. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really pulling for Cowboy. I am. <laughs> it's like, 
but it, but when somebody's like durability goes like his has, it makes it increasingly difficult to bet on them. Fair enough, but uh, I just want to say that I think against real technical strikers, besides the fight against Tim Means, uh, which Nico is getting pieced up in that fight until he landed that Hail Mary right hand. Uh, he's yep. had a really hard time against technical strikers. Yeah, and, and, and that is Cowboy, 100%. Yeah. Um, and Cowboy's also gotten really good at mixing his wrestling in, Yeah, you know, which is unusual he's such a tall guy, but he actually has like a good shot. And he's good at blending it in with his striking. And so, I mean, if he could maybe even kind of set that up early yeah. so Price would think he has to worry about it and then Cowboy, that will give Cowboy more opportunity to piece him up with the striking. Cowboy has knockout power, but it's generally off of like a three to four punch combo. Yeah, he's a volume guy combo. for sure. It, it, exactly. You know, he's not going to be the guy. I mean, he could with a head kick, but he's not really going to be the guy who's going to drop a big right hand on me and drop you right there. He's going to hit you several times, and then you'll go out. And, you know, and he definitely has the tools to do that, and I think that's a very real possibility. He just needs to make sure Nico doesn't find one of those Hail Mary right hands. 100%. And I think that this is one of those fights, like one of these outings, because I think Cowboy's last couple of fights, I mean, granted, he's fought Justin Gaethje, who's a fucking animal, at 155 which we all know that Cerrone has a hard time making that cut, and he doesn't like making that cut. Uh, and yeah. he lost to Connor, which obviously there's no shame in losing to Connor McGregor, right? Like, the guy's yeah. a fucking stud. And yeah. granted, the age gap. Part of, and part of that was Tony Ferguson, too. He fought the three toughest guys at 155, aside from Khabib. Yeah. And so, you know, and so as much as, yeah, I'm talking about, like, again, those durability issues that he has, He's fought the baddest there is in in his you know in his past three fights, short of fighting Khabib himself. Sure, and in these fights that we count him out against, kind of neat, like up and comers, I think this is where we always see Cerrone shine to an extent. Oh, we you are completely right here. You know, you're so right because because yeah. that is generally when you know we'll see it. Because I mean, the the kind of the issue with Cowboys has been his consistency. Yeah, you know, because there'll be there'll be nights where he looks like he could be fucking champion still at 39 years old or however old he is. And but then there are nights where it's you know where Conor McGregor concusses him with his shoulder. Yeah, you know? I mean, but if you think about, I always just think about. Uh, I mean, granted, it was four years ago, but that Rick Story fight. Like big fight oh, where yeah, I was like, there's I was like I don't really see Cowboy winning this fight. Like Rick Story's super talented welterweight, like really good wrestler, like has power in his hands. Like I don't see him winning this fight. And you made Rick's story look like a fucking amateur, dude. Oh yeah, so many good memes. So many good like gifts and memes came out of that too. Oh yeah, dude. And uh, <laughs> and uh, the Alexander <laughs> Hernandez fight, another up and coming yep. guy, like knocked out Benil Darius, like was. On the I, was, I was actually I was, I was actually trying to think of Hernandez's name when you were talking about how he shuts up up and comers. Yeah, like I remember Hernandez had a lot to say going into that fight too. Talking a and lot of shit. One hundred percent, and that did not go his way by any standard. 
No, and then he <laughs> fought Ally Quinta shortly after that in a five-round fight and pieced Al the fuck up for five rounds, which was very surprising to me because Ally Quinta's also no joke. But he's one of those oh, guys yeah. that you never know the version of Al that's coming in either, right? Is it real estate Al or, or fighter Al? Exactly. I mean, you know, it's and so it, you know, so then we can say the same thing about Cowboy here. If you know, if fucking Alex Hernandez Cowboy comes out comes in, then yeah, Nico could be in for a very rough night. But if Cowboy can't hold up to Nico's offense then unfortunately I think he'll lose. But I'm definitely really pulling for Cowboy. Yeah, and I, I, if I can recall from memory here, I think that a lot of people actually thought Cowboy won his last fight against Anthony Pettis also. Yeah, I, 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 I was one of them. I thought, um, <laughs> you know, and frankly, until the judges announced it, I think Anthony Pettis thought that too. Yeah, hundred percent. You can see it from the reaction. You can always tell by the corner and the reaction of a fighter yeah. throughout the fight, dude. Whether he thinks he's winning or losing, and Pettis is one of those guys that he doesn't have a, po- a poker face when it comes to that. Some guys will. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he just doesn't have that poker face, and he's one of those guys that uh, will get discouraged as the fight goes on. And that's what I thought was yep. happening to him into that, into those later rounds. And I just didn't think that Pettis won that fight either. So I think that maybe. Okay, Cowboys riding a four-fight losing streak, but I don't think this is the last we've seen of a big performance from Cowboy. And he's even said it like he doesn't see himself stop fighting anytime soon. So, and that's good. And, and in fairness to Cowboy too, I had completely forgotten about the Pettis fight. Yeah, you know what? It, yeah, it's, I mean, I remember that was one of the early quarantine cards, right? Yeah, that they were doing down in Florida. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I and now I remember it. And yeah, Cowboy, I thought looked phenomenal. But I thought clearly beat Pettis. Like it wasn't. Like I don't know what. Like because I remember like the big story about those early quarantine cards was that the officiating was awful. Yeah. From the judges to the refereeing, like there was just like I don't know where the hell they found those people, but it was garbage. Hundred <laughs> percent um, garbage. And, but yeah, I mean it was funny because like. Pettis looked so surprised and then tried to talk shit like he always knew he won. No, he knew he, knew he fucking won. Yeah. <laughs> fucking bum. Uh, the main event, I think, is a fight that's been – it's been a time coming, right? So I, Tyron Woodley versus Colby Covington, uh, they were both teammates at ATT. Uh, Tyron is obviously the former UFC welterweight champion coming off two fights losing skid Covington coming off that loss to Kamara Usman, but also probably still top three welterweight in the world, in my opinion. Um, I guess the biggest concern in this fight is what Tyron Woodley is going to show up, right? I think we've had this. There's so many of these guys that are put on big performances on their way to the title. Tyron's one of those guys that I feel like he's always been in his own head. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I mean, I I do think he might be showing that he's also not one of those guys who could be a fighter and something else. Yeah. You know, because it's like he's been largely inactive. And, you know, he, he, and he, he has other things. He has his rap career. And I know he's commentating and doing all this other stuff. You know, he's a busy, smart, hardworking guy. He's on fucking but, TMZ every weekend. <laughs> exactly, and um, and but it's like it's hard to do that and be a 
full-time professional fighter at the highest level. Now, and so, I mean, I am inclined to pick Kobe. However, there's an interview from Kobe's coaches that make me kind of doubt him a bit where I was reading, they were like, yeah, we discovered, you know, he's really a righty. So if we want him to deliver that power, then he, we're going to have him stand orthodox because like he was only standing southpaw because he shoots off of his right leg. But it's like, dude, don't, don't, don't be telling me that you're going to be turning the wrestler into a striker here. It's like, yeah. Kobe does not have crushing knockout power. That should not be a strategy to win. He's also too. a pure volume guy, like volume, cardio, wrestling. Like this is Kobe exactly. Cummington in a nutshell. Yeah. Exactly. It's like he is not fucking Mr. Knockout. No. And, uh, you know, I mean, so I hope he's not, for his sake, that he's not really feeling himself after the Kamaru fight. Because Kamaru's not a striker either. No. It's like, so just because he did well against Kamaru striking doesn't mean shit. 100%. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, Covington coming from ATT, I mean, you really don't know the relationship he had after cutting ties. So, one, we're watching Covington – coming into a fight with his first new fight camp, right? So new coaches against a fighter who is an ex-champion, has a lot of tools to win the fight, and he's training with his ex-coaches. Yeah. And, the, and you know, because they, they also did not end that relationship well, so I doubt they are keeping any secrets from him. You know, because it sounded like there was a lot of drama circling um, – you know, Covington and his relationship with the guys at ATT. 100%. And uh, Tyron Woodley's been training, I guess, with uh, Jorge Masvidal throughout this fight camp. And he said that Masvidal's really kind of invigorated his fight career. And, I mean, I know Tyron talks talks too much, I guess, sometimes. But I'm really interested to see how he shows up. Because that Gilbert Burns fight, like, might as well have just been a punching bag. Yeah, I hate to say it, but 100%. He, um, I mean, he just seemed like he wasn't in there. Like, just, you know, it, it, you know, Gilbert, it wasn't just about him having a good night. It's like Tyron had a visibly bad night. You know, he wasn't himself. It did, you know, it did not, certainly did not look like the Tyron would they evolved. So it'll be interesting to see how this turns out. Do we know where Colby's training? Uh, let me pull it up. Let's see if I can find something here. He's at MMA Masters right now. Who, who, who runs that program? Do you know? Ricardo Lamas, Jim. Okay. I mean, so, you know, the real team. But yeah. that said, it's like, I don't know. I, I, like, I hate seeing crap like that, like that, that interview with them that, that I read. It's like, dude, he's a ball, you because know, frankly, if Kobe Covington fights like Kobe Covington, this shouldn't be super difficult of a fight. 100%. You because know, Ty, Tyron is somebody who gets tired. He generally has like two bullets in his, you know, in, in his chamber at any given time. He's good for two explosions and he may kill you with them. But that's why like every fight that he has that goes to decision, he'll clearly win two rounds and another will be like super close. It's a whole win by split decision or something. Yeah, and uh, Covington's style of fighting is posed to be a big threat against Tyron. These guys are kind of know how to really pressure you, get you tired, like what Kamaru did to him, uh, I think essentially is just the blueprint to beating Tyron Woodley. And I think that obviously Kamaru and Colby are very similar in the way they fight, right? Yeah. So uh, if my better judgment, I'm going to pick 
Colby in this fight, but uh, I'm not counting Tyron out because he's got obviously ton of power, a ton of experience. He's held that belt for for a good amount of time. So for me, it's a very slight favorite in Colby Covington. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, like, like I'm sure I've ranted on here before, I don't like fight strategies that require the opponent to fight stupid. Yeah. Because if Colby does what he's supposed to, he should win. I mean, because there's also, too, a big size difference between them. Because Tyron Woodley's almost like he's about my height. And I'm, I'm only like 5'8. I think Woodley's only like an inch taller than I am. Yeah. Whereas I want to say Covington's like 6'1. Or something, or six two maybe. Yeah, you know, you know, he's a pretty big guy, and so that, you know, so that could that could be a real problem for for Woodley too, and finding that big shot. Sure, I mean when you're reaching for punches, also like, uh, I mean, granted, a couple inches high difference, I don't think is going to make a massive difference, but when you're reaching for punches, obviously, uh, there's not a lot of power there, right? Yep, yeah, definitely, definitely makes it hard, can make it a little more difficult to land a clean shot. Yeah, but also um, Tyron's crafty. He's got a good guillotine. We saw he's got the darts choke. We saw he's actually no slouch with his jiu-jitsu. And uh, we've seen Colby get caught in submissions before, bro. Like that fight against Vorley Alves early in his career. You're like shooting in for, yep. a, for a lazy takedown. And, and you get caught with a hard squeeze, man. Sometimes you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get fucking caught. So yep, for me, slight edge, slight edge. Other than that... Dude, uh, Michael Chandler signed with the UFC today. Yeah, that, that that's really exciting. I'm, you know, I mean, he's obviously been, you know, a world-class fighter for years now. And so it's good to see him finally get a shot in the UFC cage. Yeah, see how he does against those guys. Have there been any talks of um, who he may be fighting? He's actually the backup for, I mean, this sucks for the rest of the lightweights, but he's the backup for the Khabib Gaethje fight in case someone gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, that that does suck for the rest of the lightweights, but I can see why they're doing it because you can at least, like, you can at least spin that. And I don't know who else would be the clear contender behind um, Gaethje unless Connor was just going to drop down to 155 in fight and even he shouldn't be is you know his yeah. last win was at 170 we would have seen poirier ferguson if uh all had worked out which could have been like a clear number one contender fight in my eyes yep absolutely. but i think uh they're booking ferguson for somebody else and poirier is kind of holding out uh so i don't think that they're too keen on making him a backup when he literally is khabib's last title defense right so oh uh, yeah and it, it, it wasn't a very competitive fight either no. I mean, I, so I think I did see that they are going to do Poirier Ferguson. They're trying in a couple, yeah. And um, and so I mean, like that would be a fun fight, and yeah, I mean that could be winner gets a title shot. Because yeah, I mean it. Poirier is holding out for the money though. Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's the move. Is what it is, right? Absolutely. Um, other than that, we've got the big return to Flight Island also. We've got five fight cards booked, which are pretty solid. It starts out with uh, Adesanya versus Costa and uh, Hayes versus Blakovic for the uh, vacant uh, light heavyweight title. I think we've talked about Paulo Costa and Adesanya quite a bit. We'll probably save that until the fight card gets a little closer. But what's your opinion on, uh, on light heavyweight division at the moment? Yeah, 
Um, I mean, honestly, I think it, I think it's wide open. I I want to say I'm feeling haze for the fight with um, Blakovich. Is that how you say his last name? Blakovich. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Blakovich. Right. Yeah. I'm de- you know definitely like leaning a little more towards Dominic there, and um, but dude, I think I, I think it's anybody's game right now. Hundred percent. I think both those guys are really talented. I think. Uh, Blahovich has a actually very underrated ground game, in my opinion. Uh, we've seen him pick up some dubs on the ground. He's obviously got insane knockout power from those knockouts from uh, Luke Rockhold as well as the the Corey Anderson fight. So we know that he's not a slouch at light heavyweight, and I think that it's going to be nice. I mean, it's kind of sad that there's that massive gap between ex-champion and John Jones and, and the rest of the division, but uh, – I think it's time for him to embrace that new challenge, and it's nice to see the light heavyweight division open up. And obviously, we know Dominic Hayes is a extreme athlete. I think he's not a guy that's kind of like a, a specialist in anything, but he's just a really, really talented athlete, like almost played pro football, uh, wrestled really well in college also. So uh, good fight. I, I kind of got to side with you on this one just from uh, MMA math, I think. Dominic Hayes will take it, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Blahovich also do really well in that fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely see it. I mean, I, you know, because like, I mean, he, Leo, two of two of the wins that he got to get there were were over Jacare and Luke Rockhold, yeah, who are two. You hate to say it, past their prime middleweights who were going up to two hundred five. Sure. And so it's like, so it's hard to sort of weigh those much in in uh, Bukovic's favor but um and so yeah so I, I do have to go with Hayes but yeah I mean I, I think it I think it's competitive I am I'm excited to sort of see where the light heavyweight division is going to go now 100% you got a lot of killers <laughs> up there uh unfortunately they had to cancel the Tiago Santos Glover to Sheriff fight which is another kind of sleeper fight at light heavyweight I mean Glover's been around forever uh he showed that he's still game against young contenders and he's not just beating these guys uh smart he's just he's crushing them right so he's not just you know coasting by at 40 he's crushing guys at 40 which is crazy and and Thiago Santos I mean granted everyone's kind of nut hugging Santos on the his uh his split decision against Jones which in my opinion I didn't really see it as a split decision at all but I mean, I, I honestly, like, I didn't know if I was missing something, but I did not think that fight was nearly as close as everybody else did. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I think for, for the people watching that really understand fighting and, and damage, like, there's a lot of people out there, like, watching on the TV screens that have never been fucking te- teeped in the, in the knee and hit with those yep. sidekicks and don't really understand the damage that it does to you, not just psychologically with your game plan, but the damage and the wear and tear it does on your knees over time. And I don't think people gave Jones enough credit with blowing both his fucking knees out. Oh, I was just, I was just about to make, you know, make that case. Cause everyone says in that fight, like, yeah, but Santos like blew both of his knees in it. He kept fighting. It's like, yeah, he blew those knees. Cause Jones kept kicking him in the fucking leg. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, and, um, and, and so like, I, yeah, I thought, um, I thought Santos definitely had a couple like good moments in the fight, but, it's just he just got outclassed by Jones, and I like I said, I thought it was clear. 
And I think what a lot of people don't realize also in that fight and with Jones in general is that I think he's kind of found a lack of interest in just going in there and doing what's smart to win fights. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. And he's and, and he's he openly said it after the Santos fight where he wanted to go in there and kickbox a kickboxer and win to prove to everyone that yeah. he could do it essentially, which fair enough. Yeah. But I think that if he really had wanted to do what he did to Gustafson and do what he did to DC and do what he did in all those rematches, you know, where he came in and just absolutely had smart game plans. He was in there to to kill, to prove a point, you know, because the Gustafson, yep. the first fight was close. And what did Jones want to prove in the end? I'm not going to sit here and play uh, Gustafson's game. I'm going to destroy him, which is what he did. And it's the same thing he did in the in the uh, second DC fight, even though the first fight, I think, Jones clearly won that three rounds to two and was a unanimous decision. But I still thought that in his brain, when he sees this, he, he's like, seek and destroy. Where when he's fighting yeah. these kind of up-and-coming contenders, like he's just like, eh, I don't really see too much of a threat here. Let's try to beat these guys at their own game. So obviously he's a little more exposed, and the fights seem a little closer than they are, but no way. Exactly. I mean, it's sort of like, how do you get motivated to fight a guy who didn't even really have time to develop before? Because, I mean, the division is just, you know, at least was like so thin where there just weren't that many people. So if you won a few fights in a row, there you're you're into talks for a title shot. Yeah, that and number like, one contender fight with Hayes was Weidman, Chris Weidman, who's a 185-er, who's also, like, I think he just had his first win in three years against Omari Akhmadov. Yep. Yeah, oh, yeah, so... His career. <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're trying to tell me that the number one contender fight at light heavyweight was Dominic Hayes versus Chris Weidman? That's an absolute joke, Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, with you know, I hate six. I like Weidman, but he hasn't been relevant in years. No. Nope. You know? But we got another. Uh, I think you're really gonna like this fight card. A little bit underrated, but a, a lot of talent on it. The main event: uh, Marlon Marais versus Corey Sandhagen. Because I know how much you oh, like Sandhagen. That, yeah, that's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, but I think I mean, Marlon. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, 135 right now, I think, is one of the most dynamic divisions out there. Fuck yeah, yeah. Really excited to see how it gets fleshed out a little bit. Sure. I mean, it's kind of – I think it's cool that uh, Cody Garbrandt's dropping down to 125. I think uh, I'd like to see how the cut goes because he's not really a massive 135-er. But the mix, the mix at 135 at Bantamweight is just insane. And, okay, Sanhagen coming off a loss to Aljamain Sterling – no shame in that because Aljo is the clear number one right now in the division. Marais coming off that win against Aldo, which personally I thought he lost that fight, but a W is a W, and he's still, I think, uh, ranked number one or two in the division. So we're clearly seeing like a, like a firm spot for, for maybe number one after Aljo fights uh, Peter Jan. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Marlon's no joke, dude. Uh, I think these WSOF guys have proved that uh, they can hang in the UFC, especially that championship caliber level. And Marlon was putting a lot of guys away. I think he had an adjustment period when he came into the UFC. Like Maybe there's a different speed, a different amount of pressure with these uh, large audience fights, right, that these guys aren't really used yeah. to fighting in the WSOF and, and, and Bellator. Bellator getting a little bigger, but um, – Marlon's no joke. Uh, I kind of got a side with him in this fight. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know I'm gonna 
dick ride Sanhagen a bit and uh, yeah. and go with him. But I, that said, I think it's a coin toss, 50-50. 50-50 coin toss, easy. Rodolfo uh, yeah. Vieira also fighting on that card. I'm a jiu-jitsu whore, so watching uh, – Hodolfo fight's always cool. That that guy's probably one of the top three best guys to ever compete in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We got Edson Barboza on that card. Uh, we have Yusuf Salal, who's an up-and-coming talent, who just come off a win off of uh, our friend Peter Barrett. Uh, sick fucking card. And also really excited to see they're doing UFC fight night, uh, Brian Ortega versus the Korean Zombies. So uh, finally, Featherweight getting in the mix. Because I think we're all kind of – we could probably watch Max Holloway fight every weekend if he wanted to, right? The guy puts on great fights. Uh, I personally thought he won against the Volko, uh, against Volko in the second fight. Volko's taking time off. So it's good to see that they're trying to shift in like a number one contender fight at featherweight, which personally I think that, that that's what this is in this uh, UFC fight night. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see that. And uh, Ortega and uh, the Korean Zombie had some – some beef, you know, a lot of exchange of words. Uh, Korean Zombie openly doesn't really speak that much English, and he uses, like, a K-pop star, Jay Park, whatever this guy's name is, to, uh, to yeah. translate for him. And uh, Brian got a bit offended. I think he ended up slapping Jay Park at a UFC event when uh, Chang Sung Jung was walking his way back into the crowd to get to his seat. So there's a little bit of bad blood there. Oh, Jesus, that sounds crazy. Hundred percent. I I think, I think that's a bad fight for Ortega. I think Ortega is he's tough, slick on the yeah. ground, <laughs> slick with his hands when he's fighting the right fighter. Yeah, I thought he was really exposed by Holloway though. Yeah, and uh, and so I mean, I don't I don't want to say he's overrated, but like, I definitely he definitely lost some shine. Yeah, and I think uh, from the Korean Zombie standpoint, uh. I think he's the most underrated featherweight in that whole fucking division, dude. Uh, he's got yeah. slick, super slick uh, striking. And we saw that against the in the Hinatu Moikano fight. We also saw it in the Frankie Edgar fight where he's got power in his hands. He's got slick boxing. slick. Uh, he's got some power. And uh, he's the first ever twister in UFC history, so you can't knock the guy's ground game either. So I don't see Brian Ortega really submitting him either. So... Agreed. I, I and so I mean I'm 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 definitely leaning on Korean Zombie there. Hundred percent. And then um, the last fight card of UFC Fight Island, which is pretty awesome, is uh, we got Khabib Nurmagomedov fighting interim champ Justin Gaethje. So I think that's the yeah. fight to make. Obviously, that's the fight to make at at lightweight. Uh, Gaethje's proved that he's more than capable of beating Khabib at his best. Yeah. And Khabib's obviously yeah, I mean, just I, I, the best lightweight of all time. Here's hoping. I mean, I don't know what it takes to beat Khabib because it hasn't happened, but Gaethje, I think, has a better, better shot than most. 100%, dude. After that fucking Ferguson fight, dude, I'm never going to count that guy out, ever. Agreed. 100% agreed. Awesome, man. Well, uh, thanks for joining me this week. Uh was a great yeah, one. fun. I'm, hell yeah. 100%. Hope you guys tune in next week. Thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, have a nice weekend. Bye.